Psalm 5, we're going through what we call the sacred songs. This is the Hebrews songbook, their hymn book. And uh, I, I've enjoyed every one of these. Uh, there's so much in these psalms. And tonight is yet another great example. Uh, we've looked at the first four psalms. Uh, tonight we come to the fifth one. There's 12 verses in this psalm. And let's read that tonight as we get started in verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Because thou defendest them. Uh, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou com compass him as with a shield. There's a lot of great things here tonight. So as we get started, I wanted to give you just a little bit of a, <coughs> a, a brief explanation about the background with this psalm a little bit, and a lot of it comes out in the psalm itself. But when we looked at, we got to Psalm 3, and I noticed that Psalm 3, and then moving to Psalm 4, tonight being in Psalm 5, that all three of these, 3, 4, and 5, all tie together. They stand together in the Hebrew hymn book. They stand together, of course, in the history of David, in the life of David, Psalm 3 that we looked at a couple weeks ago was actually a morning, M-O-R-N-I-N, like the, the beginning of the day. It was a morning prayer that David wrote. Psalm 4 was an evening prayer. And tonight we come to Psalm 5, which is another morning prayer. That's why I entitled it, uh, and you saw there as we read, that I'm, I've entitled it tonight, Good Morning, Lord. By the way, that's a good way to start your day. Good morning, Lord. <laughs> you know, be thankful for every day that God gives to you. And you're going to see tonight as we study this psalm that David was so glad for this morning and what it meant to him. Now, when you look at these three psalms, all of them all tie together because they all relate to the time in David's life where Absalom, his son, was rebelling against him. In Psalm 4, David, as he wrote there, David was pleading with the rebels, those that had joined up with Absalom, he was pleading with them. But when you come to Psalm 5, 
David now is pleading against the rebels. He's not pleading with them anymore. He's pleading against them in Psalm 5. David had left Jerusalem. And when he fled Jerusalem because of this rebellion, because of Absalom, David left under the cover of darkness. He left the city of Jerusalem in the evening. And as he did, those that came with him, they crossed over the Jordan River. And as they crossed the Jordan River, they marched historically all day and they were heading north. And what, they, what David was trying to do was to put as much distance between him and the enemy as possible. And so they marched hard. And, and because of that, because of the adrenaline, the emotions, and David trying to distance himself, and you know what, it was, what it's like when you think that maybe somebody is following you, the, just all that's going through your mind and the way that your blood's pumping. And what had happened was David and all those that were with him, because they were going so hard, they became worn out. Uh, all the marching, and they were exhausted. I mean, physically, they were spent. Anybody feel like that right now from today? You know, uh, man, I'm tired. You know, it's, it's you know, sometimes just uh, do, even doing the work of the ministry. I, I love working with my hands. I grew up doing things, and I, I was allowed to do construction for years. I still enjoy using my hands doing things. But I, I'll tell you, I, I almost think mental work, is more exhausting than physical work sometimes. Uh, I sit there in, in my office, and by the way, it's not good for me physically just to be sitting around, but it comes with the ministry, so I'm, I try to watch myself. But nonetheless, I can, I can, I can help uh, in my own life. I can understand David and how he was feeling and all those that were feeling. And you know what it's like when you've had a day like that or maybe a couple days where you've just been going, going, going. What do you do? You crash. That's exactly, we, we looked at that in Psalm 3. David had been exhausted, he crashed, and he slept, really, for the first time in probably 24 to 48 hours. I mean, he was out. And God gave him a good night's sleep. Now, when David woke up, remember, that was when David wrote Psalm 3. That was the morning after. David had fled in the night. They had marched all day. He crashed. That very next day, David sat down and he wrote Psalm 3. The next day, after he wrote Psalm 3, they began again. The next day, they crossed the Jabbok and they, they headed even farther north. And the, the whole reason David was heading to a place where he was hoping that those mountain clansmen that knew of him, that knew that he was the king, David had hopes that maybe they would join with him against Absalom. And so as David was heading towards them, David in his mind and heart, he knew because of Absalom and what he had seen, and that's why he left, he knew that there was a battle ahead. And as David had that in his mind, that evening, after he had gone farther north and crossed the Jabbok, David sat down that evening and he wrote Psalm 4. And as David finished that psalm, he spent a night thinking about God's goodness and God's provision. And listen, anytime we think about God and his goodness and his provision, God's going to give us a good night's rest. And that's what God did. The very next morning, now this is where we are in the Psalms, Psalm 5, the next morning, David wrote Psalm 5. When he woke, David was, he, he understood, I'm going to face a powerful enemy. And what David decided was, 
if I'm going to face that powerful enemy, I've got to do one thing. I've got to pray. Folks, every day we have an adversary. And we, we are defenseless against the adversary. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. My wife and I, we, we've uh, been trying to walk, as I think, four or five days a week, and, and uh, we enjoy that. We used to do a lot of hiking out in California, but Florida's flat. Can't hike anything here. And, uh, and, and so we, we've been going through some of, the, some of the areas in our subdivision, and I, I've noticed twice, because it happened again yesterday, as we were walking, I, when I came around, we came around the corner, and I thought it was like some kind of, first time I heard it, I thought it was some kind of car horn. And there were two white ducks. And one of them was just like a normal size, and the other one, I think, was one of the ducks of Gath. I mean, this duck is huge. It's, I'm not kidding you, it's twice the size of the other duck. And, 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 you know, to me, ducks are kind of a stupid animal, you know? I mean, you look at them, and, and honestly, they just spend their day just kind of doing nothing, you know? And, and, and we saw these two ducks, the same two. We saw them about a week ago when we were walking. And it, yesterday, we were walking, and we came around the corner, and we're on our side of the street, and there's those two ducks, and they're over there, and, and I don't know what you call it. I call it honking. But they are going at it. I mean, they're honking. And, and they're like, the, the, the one, the big tall one's just like looking at us, and, and he's like, he's got an issue with us. And my wife, she's just kind of walking real fast, you know. And, and, and this thing just keeps it up. And he starts across the street straight at us. I mean, I never turned towards him. I never, I, I didn't throw a rock at him. I didn't do anything. I was minding my own business. And this thing starts across the street, and then it stopped, and we kept walking. I didn't speed up because I thought, this, this duck, he's not going to be able to hurt me, you know? And then, and then he, come at, he came at us even more, and my wife's like, why is he coming after us? And I said, I, I don't know. You know, but again, think about it. What's that duck going to do to us? You know, I mean, is he, you know, does he want to come over and go, Aflac? I mean, what's he, you know, I mean, I don't know what he wants to do to us. But, but think about this, is that, that David understood as he was getting ready eventually to face this enemy, that the only thing that was going to help him, because he was, he was as defenseless as that duck, was he needed to pray. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can never underestimate the value of prayer. And David, David says, look, I've got to pray. So it, look, just like David in his life, I'm going to tell you something. You and I, we face every day with the thought that there is danger all around us all around us we don't know what a day holds now i'm not going to let that uh, cause me to live my life in fear but the simple fact is is that anything can happen in our lives and that's why we need to make sure that we are prepared and so in david's prayer tonight and this is what psalm 5 is all about this is what psalm 5 is these three things and i want you to look at them great opportunity for us to look at this pattern that we should do the same thing. And so notice here, first of all, David, first of all, asked the Lord to listen. Now, David asked the Lord to listen, and don't get, don't get this wrong, because David was, in other words, when I looked at this, I realized that David had something very important 
that he wanted to say to the Lord and what he was doing, which is exactly what I do sometimes to my wife, which is exactly what I do sometimes to my children. And I've noticed that my daughter's here tonight with her daughters is I've noticed they've done that. They do the same thing. It's when you want someone's full attention. You ever talk to somebody and you know that they're not really listening to, they're not paying attention. You know, like sometimes when I'm up here speaking and preaching, I can tell when people are listening, when people are not, you know, and it's, I'll be honest with you, I can't make people listen, but it's hard sometimes because you're looking at them and you're, you're like, he's not listening to me. You know, uh, the, when I taught in the college, college students are infamous. They can sleep with their eyes open. And I still knew, I'm like, I know he, you know, and, and one of the funniest things that I would do in my classes was at the end of the semester, I would make them turn in their notebooks and I'd give them a notebook grade. Now, why did I do that? Because I wanted them to be engaged. I want them to be writing things down. They were going to need it for quizzes and tests, but I also wanted to, at the end of the semester, I was hoping because they were preparing for a life of serving God that they would have something that they could take with them. Hey, I know this, all of my college notebooks have come in very handy. And when I would ask them, when I'd say, now look, this Wednesday, uh, we're going to have notebook check. And they, they knew it was coming anyway. I'd, I'd see those, those students, they're, they're like, notebook check. And then they wanted to borrow their neighbor's notebook so that they could fill in all the stuff that... And, and I would see these notebooks. I'm not kidding you. I'd, I'd open, I'd be turning, I'd see doodles all over their notes. Uh, doodling this, doodling that. They had pictures of Brother Keeley. They had drawn on there. It was never a good likeness, but they had all that type of stuff. And, and, and I'd see some of, those, some of those people, and they would have a line all the way across their notes. And for, for a minute, I thought, now, why do they have those lines? That's exactly what they did. Brother Guy went like this. They'd fall asleep with their pen in their hand and it'd go all the way across the paper. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just unbelievable how sometimes, now look, Dave, I, I know David's talking. Listen, I know he's talking to God. And I know God knows everything, but don't you think that when it comes to praying and asking God to listen to you, don't you want to know God is listening? I mean, you, listen, you want God's ear, don't you, when we pray? And that's what David was saying. Notice he talks about the situation here, uh, first of all, because in David's life, there had been a time prior to this where now he's dealing with Absalom, but, but before this, David was running for his life with Saul. And Saul's, uh, the hands of Saul's executioners, they were after David. And, and listen, where David is right now, running from Absalom, this was actually uh, before the, the whole Bathsheba and the Uriah situation. And David's thinking to himself about his own life. And David's thinking about, uh, you know, sin. Because I'm going to tell you, when we have things in our lives, sin will haunt you. Sometimes, I've even found this in my own life from time, time to time, that even sin that has been forgiven sometimes will haunt us. And so here's David thinking about, you know, uh, is there something in my life? And David was reminded in his heart, just like I am, and, and hopefully you are too, look, at, here's one of many verses I could have chosen, Hebrews 8, 12. God says, I, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins, and their iniquities will I remember 
no more. Aren't you glad God forgives us and forgets it? And David, David's sitting there going, boy, this situation. I mean, David wanted to make sure that the Lord was listening to him. And so David finds out here that God is a hearing God. Now, as David prays, he's teaching us some things about prayer. Three things I saw that David was teaching. The first one is that David teaches us that holy boldness is, a, is an aid to praying. Look what he mentions here where he says in this psalm tonight, he says the first two words, give ear. Notice those words. Give ear to my words, he says to God. In other words, he's, the, the phrase there, give ear, literally means to broaden the ear with the hand. You ever see somebody do this? Ever see somebody do this? Because a lot of times when, when you know, they say that, that if a person is, I don't know, maybe completely or partially deaf, sometimes what they'll do is they'll cup their hand by their ear so that they can hear. And what David is saying here when he says, give ear to my prayer, he's saying, God, I, I, want, you, I want you to listen intently to what I'm about to say. In other words, God, can, can you cup your hand over your ear so you can hear what I'm saying to you? David is very serious about this, and David was asking the Lord to listen. And, and notice what he says here in verse number one. He says, give ear uh, unto my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Look at verse two. He uses another word here, hearken. This word hearken under the voice of my cry, the word hearken means to prick up the ear. Now, this is a literal, this is what this word oftentimes indicated. It was just like, and I'm not, I'm not saying God is this, but I'm saying that oftentimes, you ever see when, when you make a noise or there's a loud noise, and if you have a dog, how the dog's ears go up? That's exactly what this is, hearken. The ears go up. It's almost like radar. Uh, the, that dog's listening. Many times dogs can hear noises that we can't hear. And David says, listen, God, I know you can hear me when other people cannot hear me. And I'm praying to you boldly. I'm asking you. And the Bible does tell us we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I don't think David's doing anything out of bounds or out of line. I think he's serious about it. And David is asking God not only to give ear, but to hearken uh, David wasn't being irreverent, he was just using holy boldness. And one thing he teaches us when it comes to praying, that having holy boldness is an aid in prayer. But notice another thing is, David teaches that if we're going to pray, that it helps to have a heavy burden. Now think about this. Prayer, the Bible says, the, the uh, righteous prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth what? Much. A fervent. See, what happens is, is that prayer, our prayers, when there's something in your life, you know, the Fondans just recently, there was something, and still there, but there was something in their lives, and they weren't just asking people to pray, they were asking people to fervently pray. It, it was something that was personal to them. It was something that was weighing on them. You know what I'm talking about tonight? If there's, if there's something going on physically in your life, and we've heard mentioned tonight about cancer and other things, we've got other church members. It, that's what David is saying here. He's saying, look, that I want to pray because I've got a heavy burden. What, what's going on in my life? My, my son is trying to, to take my life. He's trying to take my throne. And David says, look, uh, this is something that, that, that is bothering me. And folks, when we're desperate, 
That's when our prayers become imperative, and that's when our prayers become persistent. The Bible uses the word importunate. That's a fancy word. It's a Bible word, but here's what it means. When you pray, that's not enough. The Bible says we need to keep knocking. We need to keep asking, keep praying. Because, listen, it's something that, that, that's a heavy burden on us. And David had this burden. It was imperative that God would listen to him. And David uses the word here, the word meditation. He's talking about something that's an inner yearning in his life. He, he, look at this phrase. It's actually using the same Hebrew words. But look at the psalm here, Psalm 39.3. Here David writes, my heart was hot within me. While I was, what's the word? Musing. That's the same word for meditating. David says, listen, my heart was heavy. He says, the fire burned, then I spake with my tongue. David was, in this situation in Psalm 5, many believe that David really wasn't verbally speaking. Because when you look at this, it also says here that David uses the word my cry. The, the word cry there is the same as, as calling out to God. David was doing it, but he was doing it without words. You ever been that place in your life when you're praying and that you have no words to pray? That's, that's where David was. This was something that was so heavy on him, and that's what gave him, listen, God gave him the boldness to come to him, and David had something that was a heavy burden in his life. And here's the great part is that when David says, hear my cry, the Lord, listen, even though David may not have expressed words, the Lord heard that cry. He interpreted that cry. And the best part is he understood that cry. God knows what we're going through. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he's without sin. He knows what we're going through. God knew what David was going through. By the way, God knows what you're going through right now. And when you call out, when you cry out to God, listen, you can do it because God's given us the opportunity to have a holy boldness. And God understands that it's a heavy burden. But the third thing I see that David teaches about prayer, and this is a great aid, is there has to be a harmonious beginning to your prayer life. Every time you go to God, look what David says here. I will direct my prayer unto thee. He says, I'm bringing it. I'm not going to the Catholic priest down the street. I'm bringing it straight to you, God. I'm bringing my need to you. David started this prayer going straight to God. I love this because as I studied this out, it's interesting, the Hebrew wording here of when he says, I will direct my prayer. Listen to this. It literally has the same meaning as when they would offer a sacrifice and they would have the wood and they would put the wood in order and then they would put the sacrifice on the wood. Look in your notes here. I know you know this passage in Genesis 22 and verse number 9 where Abraham took his son Isaac. And the Bible says they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there. Look at the words. And laid the wood in order. 
Same thing that David's saying in Psalm 5. He says, I, I'm laying the wood in order. Now, what does all this mean? That means that when David was talking to God, when David was making his petitions to God, what David was doing was he was putting his petitions in order. Now, watch this. He didn't start with me. He didn't say, God, it's all about me. No, he says, I'm going to direct my prayers unto you. The only person that can help me in this situation is you. David directed, he, he had a harmonious beginning, and, and he, he, listen, he was thinking carefully in his life as he was praying about what he was going to say to God. By the way, I think we ought to, too. If we're going to approach a holy God, we ought to think about what we're saying as we approach him. And so David was talking to the Lord, and he understood that God is a hearing God. So David came boldly and persistently and orderly in his approach because God not only is a hearing God, he's a holy God. And look what it says in verse number four. And the Bible says in verse number four, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. That's talking about the holiness of our God. The word wickedness there uh, has the connotation of lawlessness. Lawlessness. Now, why does David mention that? Well, again, it goes back to his son. Absalom and all of his friends, who are now the foes of David, uh, they, they drove David from his throne, and they did it in a lawless manner. Uh, you know, David knew that God would never bless Absalom on the throne because of the way that he obtained it. And if we do anything that's not God's way, God's never going to bless that either. And so David here is, is making a really a prayer to, to a God who is a hearing God, but God who is a holy God. And so he prays to God about his situation. But then notice also part of his prayer he mentions secondly about the sinner. Look in verse number 5. The Bible says, The foolish, as he, as he prays, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight, Thou hatest all, all workers of iniquity. Here he's talking about the sinner because he's mentioning that the sinner, and who is the sinner here? Absalom. That the sinner has no footing. He, he, he's talking about how arrogant and proud and foolish the sinner is. Absalom and his friends, you know what they were? It mentions it in verse 5. They were the workers of iniquity. They, they had no basis. Listen, if you were to ask Absalom, hey, Absalom, why did you run your daddy off? What's the biblical grounds? Can you give us the reason why you ran your daddy off? They had no basis. It was all about power. It was all about wanting to be uh, number one and, 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 and taking the throne away from his father. And so, you know, Absalom, we know much about him as you study the word of God. He was a handsome young man. By the way, he was also a good talker. He, you know, Absalom would have made a good Democrat. He'd have been a good politician, you know. Absalom, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and the reason I say that is because, listen, by what he said, he drew the hearts of the people away from David. You know, one of the things that amazed me years ago, and if, if you've never had an opportunity, you should go to our nation's capital and, and go through some of the uh, tremendous uh, museums that they have there and uh, some of the Smithsonian's and other things. Uh, just, I mean, you, and literally you ought to take like a week when you do it. But one of those that, that every time I go into it is the Holocaust Museum. Anybody, anybody been to it? 
the Holocaust Museum in D.C. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I knew quite a bit about her, or at least I thought I did. And I went with my wife, and, and we, we started to go through the Holocaust Museum. Of course, I, I knew historically a lot about Hitler, and I knew what had happened to the Jews. But I, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know the half of it. And even after I went through it, I still probably don't know the half of it. But what I found out going through that, or at least maybe what stuck out in my mind, was how persuasive and how much of a great orator that Adolf Hitler was. He just drew people to him like a magnet. You know, now, uh, there's been other people historically besides Hitler that have done that. And by the way, the greatest orator that ever lived on this world was the Lord Jesus. The Bible says never a man spake like this man. You know, they just, they were dumbfounded when the Lord said anything. But, you know, Absalom was a man that was usurping authority that wasn't his to have. It was God's throne. And David knew that even though it looked like Absalom was winning, that eventually the tide was going to turn and David understood that the sinner had no footing. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 55, 23. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But David says, but I will trust in thee. See, the sinners, they have no footing. David understood that. And then notice that, that, that we also see here the sinner has no future. In verse number 6, look at what it says here. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Well, what is David talking about here? Look, Absalom had already murdered his brother, and now Absalom's out to kill his own father. I mean, evidently, uh, family meant nothing to Absalom, but the one thing you see about his life is this. There was no visible sign of repentance or remorse in his life. He didn't feel bad or sorry for what he was doing. And because of that, there was no future for him. And David, as he prays, he understands that. But then notice an interesting thing. David mentions this situation. He talks about the sinner, but then he mentions the sanctuary in verse number seven. He says, as for me, listen, I understand what's going to happen with the sinner. There's no footing. There's no future for the sinner. But he says, as for me, in verse 7, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in the, thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. David, David, look, where is he? He's on the run. He's cut off from the sanctuary, the place where he can come and worship God. And David felt that. He felt like, boy, I wish I could go and worship God in his, in his holy place. But as David looked towards that day, David says, you know what? The day's going to come where I can go worship. And, and folks, we, we are so privileged to be able to come to the house of God. You know, w listen, we can come without persecution. Now, that day may change. But for right now, we can come without any repercussions whatsoever. And the Bible says in Psalm 132, verse number 7, we will go into his tabernacles, we will worship at his footstool. And so David here mentions how in his prayer that he's asking the Lord to listen. But notice, secondly, another thing in his prayer is he not only asks the Lord to listen, he asks the Lord to lead. He asks the Lord to lead. Look at verse number 8 and 9. The Bible says, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness, because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face, for there is 
no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their tongue is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. So David here is, he's thinking about Absalom and how Absalom, everything that he was saying was falsehoods. It was foulness. It was flattery. He mentions like in Romans 3.13, the Bible says their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues have they used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Is anybody else ready for the midterm elections to be over? I, I, I just, it, it makes me vomit to hear all these political ads on TV. Just the slinging of mud. The whole Supreme Court thing for weeks and weeks and weeks. Folks, I mean, seriously, it, 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 it reminds me so much about what Absalom was doing to his own father. Now, when you think about all the things that Absalom was saying, you know what that means? It was visible proof of the corruptness of their hearts, the things that he was spewing out about his own father. And so what does David do? David, listen, that's Absalom. That's my son. But David says, as for me, God, I want you to lead me. See, sometimes what we do is we focus so much on the politics and our country when, listen, the thing you ought to be praying is, God, lead me. Point me in the right direction. David says, lead me, uh, Lord, in your steps. Protect me. As Psalm 27, 11, teach me thy way, Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Notice, because of mine enemies. God, you know the way out of here. I don't know how, I don't know how to get back to the throne and back to the city of Jerusalem, but you do. God, you know how to remove Absalom and, and to put those down that have risen up against me. And remember, David never forgot who put him on the throne. God was the one that put him there. So David, when he prays, he asks, Lord, Lord, listen. But then the second thing is he says, Lord, I don't want you just to listen. I want you to lead me. And then notice the third thing. And boy, I wish, I wish all of our government could look at this part of this psalm. Thirdly, David asked the Lord to legislate. <laughs> To legislate. Folks, I, sometimes even as Christians, Christians ask me all the time, Pastor, what about this? And because there's such anxiety with what's going on. Like yesterday, did you see on the news, Nikki Haley resigned as the, uh, the, the ambassador? Anybody see that? Anybody know who Nikki Haley is? And, and, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh boy, what's going on? wonder why she resigned. I mean, they're automatically thinking, you know, and, and she, she said to the, to the camera, she says, look, let me put you all at ease. She says, I am not running in 2020. Now, she didn't say anything about 2024, 2028. But, but listen, David's thing was, as he's thinking about what's happening, he says, look, Lord, I need you to listen as I'm praying to you about this situation. He says, I need you to lead me in my life. But he says, God, one thing I would ask of you is, Lord, will you please legislate? Will you do something about this situation? Look at the words that he says here. He says, destroy them, O God. David says, destroy thou them. In verse number 10, let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out of the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against who? Listen, did he say rebelled against me? Is that what it says? They rebelled against who? Thee. They've rebelled against God. As David is praying and he asks the Lord to legislate, notice he's, he's talking about the destruction of the rebel. 
David wasn't praying for revenge. I hope you see that. I hope you know enough about David in his life. Uh, David, David, I believe this, David was above that. It wasn't that David was saying, oh, woe is me. God, you need to, you need to just you know, get rid of them. Uh, you know, and, and he's asking God. David's heart wasn't tainted by what was going on with, with Absalom, his son. He didn't have a desire for revenge. He understood what the Bible says in Psalm 94, 1. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Jeremiah said, but O Lord of hosts, that judgeth righteously, that trieth the reins in the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. I mean, David knew that when Absalom basically ran him from the throne, that David understood that an attack on the throne was an attack on God. That's what he was saying here as he prayed. He was asserting that he knew what God's justice demanded. And in the end, David, look, we all understand as you read your Bible, Absalom made the mistake of listening to the wrong person. And as a result of that, it cost him. Absalom himself was deceived. Look at the Bible says in 2 Samuel, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord hath appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. You know what you call that? God's poetic justice. That's what that is. God will deal with those that oppose him. And so David here, he asked the Lord, destroy thou them, O God. In other words, God legislate. And so notice as he talks about the rebel being destroyed, notice letter B, then we see the delight of the redeemed. Because in verse number 11, he writes here that no enemy can daunt him. There's nothing that the enemy is going to do to discourage him. Look at verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. That's a great verse right there. And listen, no matter what the enemy's doing, no matter what they've run you off from, David understood that no enemy was going to discourage him, and that we see in verse number 12 that no enemy was going to haunt him. That no enemy was going to disturb him. Look at verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him as with a shield? Now that word shield you find a lot of times in the Bible. And I've found this many times. And I, I began to study that out. The word shield here is actually the word buckler. You ever read that in your Bible? You know, and sometimes you read a word over and over again and I was like, you know, I know what a, a buckle is, but it says buckler. And I thought, what is a buckler? You know, he's my shield, my buckler. When they, when they had these times of war, there were, there were many different things that they would use to defend themselves. And there was a shield that oftentimes they would carry that was a smaller shield, but there was a shield that actually covered the full body of a person. And that's what the buckler is. It's a shield that covers the entire body. And that's what David is saying here. He's saying, he's saying, thou art my shield. Thou art my buckler. See, David, listen, humanly speaking, outwardly, David was vulnerable. He didn't have walls of a city around him. He didn't have all these uh, armed men around him like he did in the city of Jerusalem. 
He was out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, he honestly was very vulnerable, and, and the, 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 the amount of people he had around him was a small amount of people. And in spite of that, David is thinking about who his God is, and David thought to himself, you know what? I know what it looks like, but I'm not trusting in my followers. I'm trusting in the Lord. He's my shield. I know what it looks like. And listen, I want to encourage you tonight. Whatever's going on in your life, if God is your shield, if he's your buckler, you don't have to worry about what's happening in your life because God will take care of you. And that's what David is saying here. He was trusting in the Lord. Look at Psalm 18 too. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I mean, in David's heart, David knew that nothing was going to happen to him without God's permission. No, nobody's going to touch me unless God allows it to happen. Do you remember the story of Job? Job, listen, nothing happened to Job without God allowing it to happen. God will take care of his children. So here's David in Psalm 5. He's surrounded by the enemy. He's surrounded by his son. He's at an all-time low point in his life. But guess what? A new day just dawned for him. See, all that was in the past. I don't know what's happened in your life today or yesterday, but guess what? You have a new day tomorrow. And that's what, he woke up and he began to talk to the Lord. He began to pray to the Lord. And that, that prayer life and that boldness gave him the ability and the strength to stand to face a new day. And I love what Jeremiah, and he was oftentimes known as the weeping prophet, but Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, he says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And he says, great is thy faithfulness. Look here, you know what you need to do tomorrow? Wake up after today and say these words, good morning, Lord. That's what David did. And these three Psalms tie in together. I'm telling you, they have encouraged me. I've never looked at Psalm 3, 4, and 5 the way I've looked at them going through this study. And I hope it's encouraged you to face whatever battle that you have, because look here, he is your shield. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for the word of God, the encouragement that we have from it, the strength that you give us to face a new day. Uh, certainly, I don't know if anyone will ever experience what David did with his son rising against him that had to just tear his heart out. But Lord, in spite of that, David knew that you were the one in control, that vengeance belongs to you. And that, Lord, you would put down those that had risen up because it wasn't about David, it was about you. Because to rise against what you have established is to rise against you. Now, Lord, bless each one of us as we face tomorrow. Lord, may we face it with a renewed hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.